Morgan Stanley beats expectations. We go over the latest macro data. SoFi is granted approval. We go over the biggest analyst calls of the day. Disney with some management change-ups. And the crypto world is in for some more regulation, according to the SEC. This is the Running With The Money Briefing. Let's get into it. What's up? How's it going? My name is Luke Donay and welcome to another episode of the Running With The Money Briefing powered by Pounding The Table. Now, we are going to get right into what in the world is going on in these markets. I mean, what is going on in these markets? Well, at the end of the day, we have the Dow Jones down at the close, 339 points. We have the NASDAQ down 166 points and we have the S&P 500 down at 44 points. Now, I'm going to take off my reporter's cap for a minute and I'm going to put on my opinion cap just real quick. Now, this show, as you know, used to be mostly just me spewing my opinion. So I'm going to give a little bit of my opinion on what's going on. So you're seeing a lot of growth selling off and it's mostly, it seems to be motivated by what in the world the Federal Reserve is going to do. That's been the topic, that's been the story of the year in so far for like the past two and a half months three months the talk has been what in the world is the federal reserve going to do and is their plan when it comes to rate hikes and balance sheet reduction when it comes to those actions um how is growth going to react and it seems we are getting that response so it started with the smaller cap growth and then it's starting to get into now the larger cap growth names and that's what you've really been seeing over the course of the not-so-distant uh, past. Now, you shift into what in the world happened or started to begin um, at the beginning of this week and really some last week. And, of course, it was those bank earnings. So we kicked off with bank earnings last Friday, and they didn't really impress the market all too much. In fact, the bank started to sell off on this news. And really, from what I can tell, from what I've noticed, is that has triggered selling in the names that people are getting in on um, to, in essence, fight these Fed actions. I wouldn't say fight, but counter them in essence. So instead of going and buying growth and uh, some of these amazing companies, these growth companies, what people were doing is they were going and buying these value names. They were going and buying the financials, which um, can benefit uh, from the proposed Fed actions, you know, those rate hikes, etc. They were going and buying energy. They were going and buying some industrials. And now what you're seeing is you're seeing those financials and you're seeing uh, even a few energy names, but really not many at all. You are seeing some industrials also uh, start to sell off more, but specifically within that finance sector. So if we take a look over the course of the past week, you have indeed seen a little more weakness when it comes especially to the big banks than you were seeing last week. Um, and that is something to know. A lot of these value names ran up over the course of the past month into these bank earnings. And now those bank earnings kind of depressed a bit. And therefore, you're seeing a tad bit of weakness. But overall, the energy sector um, has been the leader. They have been straight green. If you bring up a one-week performance chart of the energy sector, I mean, my oh my, it's insane. You have XOM up roughly 6.7%. You have, I mean, you can go through the list um, of names that are up and insane OMR are very strong amount, you could say. Also, you have Taiwan Semi outperforming. Overall, what you saw and you continue to see is the common trend. You're seeing selling and growth, quite a bit of selling and growth, um, mostly due or at least being blamed on these macro issues that the United States is facing. But then you're seeing outperformance and the names that outperform when the Federal Reserve has to tighten and taper, etc. So that is what you are really seeing in the markets. But 
in a more large picture, you could say, really what I believe we are seeing is a correction. We're seeing a very strong correction um, or the beginning of a strong correction specifically located in growth in technology names that reached outsized price levels over the course of the past two years. We saw names go to insane valuations, and we can admit that. At one point, even on this show, um, in other shows, other well, well-respected people within the investment space, they were ringing the alarm and saying, why does it seem that valuation doesn't matter? And now the realization is starting to come in, and it seems people are actually starting to somewhat begin to respect valuation once again. And I think that's part of what you're seeing here is the market just being the market and simply selling when things get overly inflated and correcting. And typically the market eventually overcorrects and then buyers come in. And I believe we're in the process of that. We're in the process of a correction. It's simple as that. And you can blame it on whatever the hell you want, but it seems to be that the trigger for that correction was the Federal Reserve and their plan for 2022. But shifting away from my little spew and opinion, I want to get in to what in the world is going on sector by sector, group by group today. And what we saw was the number one um, worst performing sector of the day was consumer statistical down 1.7% in the second worst performer technology down 1.42%. Meanwhile, your basic materials, consumer defensive and utilities all outperforming and in the green, every other sector on the board today was red. Now shifting into the biggest headlines of the day, I first want to touch on Morgan Stanley. Now they did top estimates, um, but they slightly ever so slightly missed when it came to revenue. So we're going to talk about this. So they delivered earnings of $2.01. And really that beat the the expectation of $1.91. So that was solid right there. They beat the estimate when it came to EPS. But revenue came in $14.52 billion. The estimate was $14.6 billion. So they did slightly miss when it came to revenue. But still, company-wide revenue that did increase 6.8% year over year to that $14.52 billion. You saw equities trading revenue um, it throughout the quarter rise 13%. That was very solid, the $2.86 billion. And also, it is important to note that that equities trading revenue came in above the $2.44 billion estimate. We also saw wealth management revenue rise 10% to $6.25 billion beating the estimate of $6.28 billion or slightly missing. I apologize. But either way, um, what you saw there was pretty much a solid beat at a Morgan Stanley. And also, this was the theme. This was the theme going into Morgan Stanley earnings here. It really was, okay, what did their expenses do? Because we are seeing that theme out of, for instance, JP Morgan and Goldman Sachs, that expenses went up an insane amount. Um, so, what did expenses do? Well, Morgan Morgan Stanley, their expenses pretty much stayed mute. In fact, their total expenses or their compensation expenses came in at $5.49 billion. And that's pretty much unchanged uh, versus the previous year's level. And also it's below or was below the estimate of $5.98 billion out of analysts. So overall, what did we see? A quick rebrief of those numbers we just went over. They beat when it came to earnings per share. Company-wide revenue, it did rise 6.8% to $14.52 billion, but it did miss the expectation, um, but not by much whatsoever. We saw equities trading revenue come in at a very solid metric, beating the expectation, but we saw wealth management revenue rise 10%, but still missing the expectation. And that really was overall Morgan Stanley earnings. They impressed, and the original reaction it was to the upside when it came to Morgan Stanley in their earnings. But on the week, um, we just went over some of the names that were down on a weekly performance here, and uh, Morgan Stanley was one of those names, so maybe an opportunity 
opportunity there if you're still bullish on the banks. Now, shifting into the latest macro data, we got some housing data today. So housing starts, those increased 1.4% in December to a seasonally adjusted annual rate of 1.702 million units. So that is something to note. And this is for December, by the way, that's the highest level we have seen since March. So a solid metric there. We saw single family starts fall 2.3%, but multifamily starts jump 13.7%. And we saw building permits surge 9.1% per Reuters. So that is something to note there. So overall, what you saw was housing starts beating the mark, especially beating economist expectations in that you really dig into to this data. And what we saw was starts for buildings with five units or more. Those jumped 13.7%. And that is that multifamily jump metric right there to a rate of 524,000 units. So a very solid metric there. So overall, the data wasn't terrible, but we continue to see signs within this housing data of backlogs. We continue to see some issues when it came to materials being overly expensive due to shortages and bottlenecks and supply chains. So we are continuing to see that in the data, but these numbers definitely weren't bad. Um, and there were some solid metrics to pull out. Housing starts increasing 1.4% in December to a rate of 1.702 million. Now, shifting into SoFi real quick, they have been granted approval by the office of the Comptroller of the Currency. Comptroller of the Currency. Yes, that's right. Or the OCC and the Federal Reserve to become a bank holding company. Well, look at that. SoFi finally getting their approval. Now, SoFi, they're wanting to become a bank so they don't have to rely on partnerships with FDIC insured banks to carry out actions for their customers. Currently, they have been doing that. A lot of fintech companies do that, but they are trying to turn themselves into a bank. They're trying to become a bank. So in order to become a bank, SoFi is planning to acquire California community lender Golden Pacific Bank Corp, and they will operate its bank subsidiary as SoFi Bank. Look at that. And that is expected to close in February. So something to note there. But SoFi being granted approval here from the Office of the Comptroller of the Currency, otherwise known as the OCC in the Federal Reserve, to become a bank holding company. The stock reacted positively to that news. We got commentary out of the CEO, Anthony Noto. He went on to say, quote, this important step allows us to add to our broad suite of financial products and services to better be there for our members during the major financial moments in their lives and all of the moments in between. So, a pretty awesome announcement um, out of SoFi. Some great news for SoFi and definitely um, it's great news for management at SoFi because this is really the direction they're wanting to head and they're getting these approvals to make basically their business strategy work and happen. Um, so some very positive news for the SoFi holders. Now shifting into the biggest analyst calls of the day, we had Wedbush initiating coverage of SoFi is outperformed. So, shifting right out of the SoFi news and into the analyst call, Wedbush went on to say, quote, the company is one a one-stop shop for financial services, and this is a significant competitive advantage over neobank competitors who tend to focus on niche offerings rather than the full financial picture. So, Wedbush is saying, look, they're a one-stop shop for all these financial services, and now that they are going to be or they're in the process of becoming a bank. And once they actually are pretty much a bank, um, they're going to be able to offer those services very quickly, efficiently. Um, and therefore they are bullish on SoFi. That was Wedbush initiating coverage of SoFi as odd perform. We also had bank of America naming target, a top 
pick for the year. They went on to say, quote, after two years of elevated food at home consumption, we see a shifting environment for food retailers in 2022. Given one, high food inflation, cost in retail. Number two, government stimulus roll-offs. And number three, changing grocery shopping patterns. And finally, number four, continued labor, freight, and sourcing cost pressures. We see the second half of 2021 trends favoring buy-rated Target, Walmart, and Costco continuing, and we maintain our cautious view on lower income and or small format food consumables retailers. So, Bank of America basically saying, look, Target is a top pick, but we do think the company and other companies like are going to face some issues here in the first or second half of 2022, pretty much because you're going to see all of these issues or all of these uh, basically things that have been also benefiting the companies. You're going to start to see those roll off throughout the second half or maybe even first half of this year, and that could result in some lower income. So that is something to pay attention to, but Bank of America is still liking Target. Now, shifting into Atlantic equities, upgrading electronic arts to overweight from neutral, the firm went on to say, quote, the deal could nevertheless become a catalyst for further sector M&A, and with its valuable sports content portfolio, we are upgrading electronic arts to overweight. EA also trades at the low end of its historical valuation range, so it looks attractive even on a standalone basis. So, Atlantic Equities upgrading Electronic Arts here after the Activision uh, acquisition by Microsoft. So, that is something to note. Now, Shifting into our next analyst call, we had Cohen reiterating Netflix as outperform. The firm went on to say, quote, we expect paid net ads of $8.5 million in line with Guide amid a fourth quarter weighted content slate. Our U.S. survey suggests Netflix leads Living Room TV ESP among younger viewers who stated Netflix is the service they watch most often. TikTok is gaining mobile viewing share. So, Cohen, liking Netflix, just ahead of earnings, reiterating it as outperform. We also had Citi reiterating Coinbase as a buy today. The firm went on to say, quote, as we noted in our launch report, our estimates and target price are likely to shift considerably corresponding with crypto market volatility. So Citi basically saying here, look, our call is out there. We like Coinbase, but it could change if the crypto market changes. So that is something to know and take with a grain of salt. We also had Bank of America reiterating PayPal as a buy the day. They go on to say, quote, we remain bullish on PayPal's super app strategy and competitive positioning. Through the five-year guidance presented at the February 2021 Analyst Day, it is now more of a show-me part of the story following last year's guide down. So, or last quarter's guide down. So, Basically, Bank of America saying, look, we still believe in PayPal. We believe in the five-year plan. We believe in management. But now it's a show-me kind of attitude for the stock. And we're going to need to see um, basically the company making the progress that they stated they were going to make. So Bank of America continuing to like PayPal. We also had a UBS upgrading Las Vegas Sands to buy from neutral. UBS went on to say, quote, We believe the new gaming law significantly lowers risk for Las Vegas Sands. Six concessions are preserved and the 10 term would make it less attractive for any new entrance to invest in building a new resort. The phasing out of satellite casinos will also reduce competition. We estimate that satellite casinos make up between 15 to 20% of total tables in Macau. So in essence, UBS upgrading Las Vegas Sands to buy from Nutri here saying, look, 
Las Vegas Sands, they are uh, maintaining their spot in Macau. And now that 10-year term uh, that is basically coming in or as a new law over in Macau uh, is going to make it an even better scenario for Las Vegas Sands. And there's now less competitors over there as well. So uh, the company should actually do better when it comes uh, to the competitive landscape uh, for gambling and casinos in Macau. So definitely something to note there. Now, shifting away from the biggest analyst calls of the day, I want to shift into Disney, uh, basically changing up their management teams and uh, creating some new uh, management areas within their company. So we're going to dig into that right now. So on Wednesday today, um, Disney said that they have formed an international content group with the goal of expanding its pipeline in local and regional markets. Now, who in the world is going to lead this new international content group? Well, this group is going to be helmed by Disney streaming executive Rebecca Campbell. Can you believe that? And she will report directly to CEO Bob Chapek. So that is something to note. In fact, we did actually get a statement out of Rebecca Campbell today from Disney and per reports. She went on to say, quote, Great content is what drives the success of our streaming services, and I am thrilled to have the opportunity to work even more closely with the talented creators in our international markets who are producing new stories with local relevance to delight our audiences around the globe. Now, Disney also stated a few goals and a few uh, metrics that are important pertinent to investors uh, so total global subscriptions across disney plus espn plus and hulu well they topped 179 million as of the end of fiscal 2021 per disney today we also got a goal set out of disney that they are looking to more than double the number of countries where its disney plus service is available by 2023 fiscal 2023 to be specific so some very interesting goals and metrics when it comes to streaming coming out of Disney, some management change-ups, and on some a few final notes to wrap this headline up. We had Disney uh, promoting Michael Paul to the newly created role of president of Disney Streaming, so a management change there. We also had Joe Early. He previously served as the executive vice president for marketing and operations at Disney+. Plus. He has now been uh, basically nominated to uh, take over Hulu as president, and now we have a yet-to-be-named new head of Disney Plus um, that will be taking over eventually for Paul. So, that is something to note there. Meanwhile, Russell Wolf will continue to serve or be the head of ESPN Plus, so that is something to note there. So, a lot of management change-ups uh, surrounding Disney when it comes to their streaming segments. And then, our final headline of the day to round out the show, it's a very quick note. Um, we did get some commentary out of SEC Chair Gary Gensler today when it comes to crypto. And he said that he continues to push. His team also continues to push on getting these crypto exchanges um, to be the primary focus for U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission law uh, throughout this year. They want to crack down on digital assets, according to him. In fact, on quote, he said, I've asked staff to look at every way to get these platforms inside the investor protection limit or remit. If the trading platforms don't come into the regulated space. It'd be another year of the public being vulnerable. So it seems Gary Gensler, and he even said it, he wants uh, basically these companies to be under control of Washington financial regulators. I don't know how much the crypto people will like that. I know that I'm personally not a huge fan um, of giving even more power within the financial world to our lovely government. I think they have enough. And at the end of the day, they've, they've, 
pretty much proved, at least the federal government, that they don't know how to manage their own finances. So, either way, I am done ranting for the day. That is the uh, briefing for the day. Those were the biggest headlines, biggest annals calls, and we will be back, of course, with another episode of the Running With The Money briefing tomorrow. Now, in the meantime, I want you to go get my boys and my fellow team members over at Pounding The Table listen on Spotify or anywhere you listen to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, and please, please, please go give me and my team a listen at Running With The Money on Instagram or Facebook or you can just uh, follow me on Twitter and give me any feedback and see all the content that we are publishing here at Luke Donay. So thank you very much. Easily Profit Trade On, and I will see you tomorrow.